0: Uh, we are continuing a series we're doing through the book of Hebrews, and I hope that uh, if you're new with us, that this has been uh, something that maybe you're, you're jumping into, you're kind of going, "Oh, I don't know what I'm getting into and everything." But but we have these little booklets we call our growth guides, and this an opportunity to jump in. And we're we just read Hebrews chapter six. We're going to be looking at seven today. Actually, reading ahead, so you probably read seven. And so if you want to start up with this, we're going to be in week, I got it right here, week, week five, you should have finished up, you'll be starting week six, and reading eight through ten this week, then you can catch up for next week. But, but the series that we're a part of, it's, it's helping us understand this idea that Jesus is, Jesus is once for all. And everything and it really will fit in what we're going to be talking about today. In fact, that there's that that Jesus is better today. We're going to talk about the better. And I have this thought or question for you as we get going is um, you might be the kind of person like I am that I look to make my life better. Would anybody say that you, you kind of in your week, you want to make your life better? Okay, some of you are like not sure even on that question. I answer that or not, but but the idea is like, you know, some of us want to improve, and so I, I look for better ways in a lot of things, and I find, and even faster ways. I've, I've figured out how, and where I live, and when I go to Bellingham, the big, the big town of Bellingham, when we make the, the, the trip, some of you drive it every day probably, but you have routes that you take certain times of the day, at least I do. So if I'm coming home, and it's a certain time of day, I will go a certain way home. Because I know that traffic maybe isn't as bad this direction or that direction. I think better routes and faster routes all the time. I, I think of better ways to use my time in my week. I have different days and different things that I do and different rhythms. I, I figure out where my best energies are and put my best energies during that week when I'm not so... You know, really into anything, then I'm, then I'll I'll do something that's less brain capacity. I, I think that way. I think that's that's helpful. And then you know I'll think of better ways to spend money, and I'll think of newer ways where we can make more money. And and so we'll, I'll spend time thinking about that all week. And then you turn to my wife, who's she's not here, but she's downstairs with the kids, and she goes, "Take a break, bro. Relax." Can you just be content? And I am content until I'm thinking of the next thing that we could do. in a little bit—that's just me. And so you're—you might not be the type I'm at. You might be married to someone like that. There's nothing wrong with improving and building on it. But at some point, it's—it's just not enough. There's—there's there's only so much you can do, and there's almost so much energy is there, and 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 it can—well, it can be exhausting, especially if you know if you know somebody like me and being around them a lot. It can be that way. And I find this as we get caught up in our efforts trying to be better, it's it's really never enough. And in fact, if you, you can even fe- feel sometimes like me, sometimes I can feel a little bit defeated. Like I got ahead, and it's like you know this whole thing of like taking ten steps forward and then you just took twenty steps backwards. And like yeah, that kind of felt like the whole world the last few years, right? And 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 so we're trying to improve, and nothing wrong with improvements, but. But we're not able to get we're, get to the good, but we're not really getting to the better. And the book of Hebrews is kind of, it's really about the better. That there, there's a better way. There's a better, there's a better plan that God wants to bring the better for us. And so we left off last week in, in Hebrews 6, where I love how it kind of ends, and then we're going to 7. This is what it says. It says, we have this hope, an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek was the king of Salem and the priest of God most high. And as I left off last week, we we went, Melchizedek, who, 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 who are we talking about? What who, where Who is this? Person, why is, he, why is he in the Bible? And that's a good question for us. And, and if you've been following along in your, in your readings and everything, you probably came across and read that this week. It's a, he's mentioned several times in, in the book of Hebrews. In fact, if you're kind of wanting more information about who he is, there's a, there's a video that we post on our website, on our growth page, on the Hebrew page uh, that you can look at and watch. Who is this? What is this guy about? Uh, I think it would be helpful. But he was a high priest then in some ways came from nowhere that we're going to look at here today. Now when we think of priests, we think of sometimes, don't we? We think of maybe priests that are part of a particular church and everything. I grew up in a church where they had priests. And I remember one day my my dad and I were driving on a Saturday afternoon and we pull off by the church. He says, I'm going in to confession. He goes, you can wait in the car or you can, you know, you can come in. And well, back then, you didn't have nothing to do. There was no phone or nothing. So I could sit in the hot car or I could go in. And so I'll go in and sit in the pew. He goes in this little door, this little room. And I'm about 10 years old at the time. And I knew what confession booths were. And then as, as soon as he went in, there was another door where a lady went out. Well, the door was open. I'm like, I'll just go in. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. So I've heard a confession. I went in there. And then there's a there's a guy in there, and he's... He he's at the veil, and he's faced this way. I don't know why he didn't turn his head, but he's faced this way, and he says, uh, "You may confess your sins." And and then he kind of looked over at me and like, "Okay, it's a little boy here." And and then he's like, "Go, oh, son, just go ahead and say whatever you know you did wrong." And so then I'm just like thinking of things what I did wrong. I'm like, "Okay, cutting lunch. I um, I think I it's not good look at someone's test." And then pretty soon I didn't have a very big list, so I just started making stuff up. And then I laughed, and I, you know, and then I felt really bad because I think that's where I really sinned is the lying about the confession of things I did wrong. I'm like, I don't think this, I think I missed, like, there's a thing called catechism that I'm supposed to do. I didn't know later on was part of that. But, you know, I, as much as that was awkward and this guy with the thing and then and then he gets up in front, or, or, you know, and then I'm, I'm looking and then like, does he remember me will he remember me and what I did and then it was but then we, we had Oktoberfest and then I saw uh, Father Callahan he was, he was pouring beers in the beer garden and, and, and I was and like what a guy, great guy I'm like I think I want to be a priest that's what I want to do and then puberty hit and then, then I'm like oh no I like girls this is not going to work Okay, so that, I so I became Protestant out of that Okay, so that's my story does that make sense? So, why, why do I say all this? There was a role of priests. Priests, we, we think in modern times, but priests back then had a, a significant role. And the thing about priests is they came in a, in a place because, really, if you go back and you look at the creation story, when, when God created. Man, he actually created them to be priests. He created them this this relationship he was have between uh, humans and God. And then what happened was because of these priestly humans, they were tempted and they sinned and rebelled against God. There was this separation between God and man, and God knew that there needed to be a go-between. There needed to be something to be done. And so God so loved the world that he had a plan. The plan was that he would have this redemptive, this long redemptive story that would lead to the great high priest that we're going to be looking at here. And, and he, had, he laid it out. And so he used different people long lives. And one of the people he used is in the very beginning of his redemptive story was this guy named Abraham. And Abraham was going to be the father of a nation of priests. And that was the work that was going to do. And and so, actually, Hebrews mentions this in verse 7. It says, Abraham came and gave a tenth of everything to this guy, this priest, named Melchizedek. And so you can go back in Genesis 14 and you you find this context where God allowed Abraham to defeat these kings that are coming in battle against him. And then this this Melchizedek comes out and meets Abraham and Abraham offers a tithe. If you don't know what a tithe is, it's giving your first, the tithe is a tenth, your first tenth to the Lord. That's your first fruit. So it, back then it was cattle or crops that you would give and that was the work. It was the first tithe ever recorded in Scripture with the first priest that was ever recorded in Scripture of this Melchizedek. And, and you're thinking, who is this guy? Well, we don't know much about him, really. It says this. His his uh, it it goes on. It says that he is this king. His name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. They also is the king of Salem. It's the king of, of peace. Salem means peace. So you think about this, where in in um, in in. In the garden, there was this perfect shalom. That means peace, perfect harmony. It was disrupted by sin. And so now we're just trying to bring peace with God again, making reconciliation with God, with God. And so there's a king. His name is the king of peace. It makes sense. The, the place of peace is shalom, is which where we get Jerusalem, right? So Jeru means, if you didn't know this, it means high. If you go, and, and, and I'd love to take a trip with you next year. We're planning, hopefully, a trip to 2024 to Israel. That'd be kind of fun to go. Now, I need 20 people, by the way. If you want to sign up, let me know. But when you go to Jerusalem, you actually ascend. If you take the little tour bus up, you ascend, and it's, a, it's built up on, high, uh, on plateau. You read in Psalms, where Psalms it says Psalms of Ascent. So Jerusalem, high place of peace. And that is where... Actually, Abraham. They 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 interact here. It's a cool name, right? What do we know about this guy? Not much. Look at verse three. It says, "Without a father or a mother, without you know, without genealogy, without beginnings of beginning of days or ends of, end of life." He's a man of mystery. He just shows up in this story with Abraham, and he doesn't really appear in person the rest of the Bible. So why even talk about him? Well, the Bible in Hebrews has a place for it. That's why we're talking about it. If it's there, there's a reason, right? But w- what's really going on with that? Well, to explain priesthood, as is, is this is the first priest. Well, what led to is Abraham, and then all the patriarchs, and then Moses comes on the scene and helps helps uh, people from from uh, from Egypt, and and is then the Exodus takes place and they come into the promised land and, and then on the process of that God brings them the law the, the, the Ten Commandments the, the Mosaic Covenant and part of the Mosaic Covenant was a, a priesthood his brother Aaron became the first well second priest the, the, the priest that started with Moses and then they began this Levitical system that was all about filling this gap between God and man the go between that needed to take place and know it's all leading to, well, this better way. And it's through Mel, this, this dude named Melchizedek. It says in verse 3, it says, says, you know, here he is. We don't know who he is. Where he, and it says he's resembling the son of God, and he remains a priest forever. Resembling the son of God. There it is, it's the foreshadow. It's almost a it's like a teaser that's brewing that the Messiah is going to come one day. Some people hold that that. That Melchizedek was the pre Christ, even that, that there's a theophany they call it. I I don't really think it is, just because of the wording here. He resembles the Son of God, isn't the Son of God? Okay, so we can we can debate that. But the the reality is, it's this foreshadowing, it's a setup to Jesus the Son of God coming taking place. Well, what's Neat about it. There's cool parallels between Melchizedek and Jesus. You know, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning your days and, and resembling the Son of God. So he's a priest forever. So all this is saying is that he's almost like this guy comes from nowhere. Well, Jesus came from nowhere. We know there's some genealogy on his on one side of it, but their human genealogy is really the this this he comes from another place, and it, and so that's part of it. And other similarity is that he's an eternal priesthood. It's not a beginning nor the end. And in Psalms, he quotes it in verse 17 of Hebrews. It comes from Psalms 110. It says that for he declared, you are the priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So there's these similarities between Melchizedek and Jesus, a a type of Christ leading to from the Old Testament and the New Testament. What we love about Melchizedek is his name. He's a king of righteousness and of peace. Well, who's Jesus? Jesus is the clothed in royal righteousness, and he's called the prince of peace. What's happening is there's a fulfillment takes place. You have the, the first priest enters scripture, and you have Jesus, guess what, is the last priest. The priestly work to, bring, to fill this gap between God and man. What is he doing? He's providing this better way to come. And, and we're going to look at, so beautiful, at the end of chapter 7, we're going to end our time here in a couple minutes with communion. In fact, if you're online, it's great to have you. If you want to get ready for some communion together, we're going to be doing it here. In fact, we're going to be coming forward here in just in a few minutes to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and it's going to lead to that. But as we get to that, as we talk about this further, let me just ask, are you settling for good when there is better? Now, I'm not talking the better like I am sometimes and always improving and trying to change things and make things better, because that's exhausting. But because if we keep doing that on our own human effort, it is exhausting. Because some of us go, why even try? Why even the efforts that I make of trying to, as people do this, trying to be a better Christian? Trying to do that. And what we do is, and the efforts, of religious efforts are there, is that we, we try to do. It's just like me going to the confessional booth. Like, Okay, I don't know what to do. I'm not saying the right prayer. I'm not doing the right thing. Okay, now I'm just making up stuff. And, and, and pretty soon we realize all this effort is not, I'm not I'm not really, and it can be very self-defeating because self is involved with that. And so we stumble and we, we we hit a place and we go, and it's, I'm just not good enough. It's not, well, none of us are. None, none of us are. We need to realize that Jesus didn't die for good enough. Jesus didn't rise from the dead for just a good enough life for us. He died for us for the better. For the better, that's there, and so we're not going to be, you know, good enough. As you know, if you don't know this, it's a follower, to be a follower of Jesus, is it's nothing. All that you do, it's what God has done through Christ that saves us. We're there's a complete. We'll talk about this complete salvation of Jesus for us to be in eternity. But it's, it's it's all, as much as that's so important, and, and number one, secondly, though, this life we have is actually a life that is filled with life. It's, it's an abundant life. It's a full life. It's a better life that we want. I don't know about you. Do you want the better? I want the better. I just want the good. There's the better, and that, that better comes in really three ways. If you're taking notes today, in, in, in Hebrews 7, there's three things here that really kind of encourages toward the better. The one is this is a is having a better hope. A better hope. You know, we hope in a lot of things, but a lot of things in hope, we kind of go, well, I hope it works out. I hope it's okay. I hope I hope this situation you know, but hope it can be just kind of wishful thinking. No, there's a it's not just hope. There's a there's a better hope. And I can't think of anything more important actually. I, I really argue this a lot about how hope is really all we is what we need most. Now some people would argue, well, love, come on, bro, love is what we need most. I'm telling you, you if you don't, if you don't have hope, you don't have you don't have love, because there's no motivation to love, right? If you don't have any hope in love, you with me on that? Hope gets you up in the day. Hope gets you moving in, in, in what you're doing. You're hope, but it's a it's not just any old hope, it's a better hope. What's the better hope? God of all hope provides something for us. And it's not just Good enough, it's the better hope. But see, people were still, even back then, were settling for the good because that's all they know. Hebrew writer says this in verse 18 it talks about the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. And it says this for the law made nothing perfect. Now, what's the regulation? Well, it's the old Levitical system. It was the old priesthood system that was there. They had strict rules. They had animal sacrifices. They, they're trying to get close to God and trying to appease God, but it wasn't good enough. Now, you read through the entire Old Testament leading up to Jesus. You're going to go, if it wasn't good enough, if it never achieved, ultimately it needed achieved, why did God make them do all that stuff? I'm just saying that's a lot of blood. That's a lot of barbecuing. That's a lot of rituals. That is a lot, right? Why? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't have a complete answer to that. But my simple answer is simply this. Is it one big massive lesson that maybe God's saying, yeah, all your efforts and everything to you? I see. I appreciate it. But it's not good enough. I have something a better way. It points to a better way. Look at verse 19. What does it was say? For the law made nothing perfect. Nothing perfect. All the merits, all the... It it does not... It does not deeply... doesn't satisfy satisfy the deepest need that was there. That's why the writer says in 19, he says, a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. A better hope that draws us near to God. If you read in Hebrews 4, I love going back to that, that we can approach, let us draw near. We'll talk next week about these let us drawing near to God in in a closer way because of the better way that was provided. And that we don't need a priest. And you don't need a pastor. You don't need some holy person to get you closer to God. There's an opportunity and availability through the high priest, the one high priest that did it all, the go-between, and it's Jesus See, our better hope is not wishful thinking. It's resurrected hope. That's our theme for Easter, a resurrected hope. Not just any old hope. It's one that has been proven already and yet to be even shown one day the completion of what Jesus has done. there's a better hope, and it gives us assurance. Bible is filled with this. I love this week. My wife and I were reading our devotions. First Corinthians talked about this hope. It says this: Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we waste away, yet inwardly we are being renewed by day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that will far outweigh them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen. Is eternal. That's our better hope. The other thing in Romans says this, it says, for this hope we are saved, but we hope that seeing is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But what if we hope for what we do not yet have? We wait for it patiently. That's the better hope. So I don't know what you're hoping for, what you're waiting on hope. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's a resolve of a relationship. Maybe it's an investment that needs to be fulfilled. Maybe it's a loved one to come to faith or a friend come to faith. What is that better hope? Or really, who is a better hope? Because hope has a name. It's Jesus. When I've done countless services, funerals, gravesides for people that passed away, I share this scripture many times. It's in 1 Thessalonians. It says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed also, those who have fallen asleep, who sleep in death, so you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We can grieve; we go through grief when we have loss, but we grieve like like people with hope. See, so I can tell you that there's been times where people have had been had to be pulled away in in the, in the amount of grief from caskets before they're going in the ground and shrieking, and because they they realize that they think in their mind this is all their. Really is. No, we have a better hope. A better hope. Why? Because you know what else we have? Because we have a better covenant. We have a better covenant. For those of you that are on the younger age, um, so people maybe, I don't know what the age, below 40, there used to be this machine called a VCR. Does anybody remember a VCR? Okay. <laughs> I am so old to remember when we went to the video store. The, the the phenomena was this: is that you could actually watch something that's already recorded when you wanted to watch it. What? And they had these VCR, and you would go. And some of us who were on the poorer side couldn't afford the VCR that costs about eight hundred to thousand dollars to own. Okay, so you go and rent the machine. But you, my mom would fill out this long contract about it, driver's license, credit card, you know, uh, collateral, you had to bring your pet in as a collateral, I mean, it was like this huge thing just to make sure you you brought this thing back so we could watch E.T., I remember that, I think that was my first movie to watch, all that, and you're like, that is ridiculous, if you would have told me as a kid that one day you're going to get a, a movie out of a vending machine, we laugh our heads off, right, and, and let alone just click a button now, right? What's happening all oh, that was the old way of doing things technology has changed I guess trust is a little bit easier nowadays with, with, with certain things but that's as ridiculous as that is that's kind of how the Old Testament felt it was it was clunky it was it was old it wasn't fitting any longer but people kept doing these things because that's all they knew how to do it and in fact it says this it goes on in Hebrews it says they did this with um, co- these contracts and if they didn't do it, There was going to be consequences to that. And this is what he talks about, what this means about, he says it was not without oath. Others became priests without an oath. Hebrew priests swore these oaths to uphold the law, and and if they stepped out or bailed on it, their commitment was a big deal. But it says this, but he, Jesus, became a priest with an oath when when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Jesus here, it says, about Jesus, he's the he. You you're a priest forever because of this oath. Jesus become the guarantor, guarantor of a better covenant. Now you have been many of those many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing office. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Remember, this is all post-resurrection. So he came back from the dead and he lives forever. It's a priesthood forever. The, Melchizedek might have been the first priest. Jesus is the last priest. We don't need any more priests. So it's a better, why? Because there's a better covenant. What was wrong with the old one? What was old? It was the Mosaic covenant. It was it was, where it was all based on the Ten Commandments. And the whole thing with the Ten Commandments, you need to follow the Ten Commandments. In fact, if you break one of the commandments, you break all the commandments. Here's the problem with the Ten Commandments, is it's not so much that you're going to break one of them, is the fact that most of you in this room don't even know the Ten Commandments, I'm not judging or anything. If I, if I would say, I would say vast majority and myself included to get it all word for word. If, if I don't have the 10 commandments even memorized, how long am I going to fulfill the 10 commandments? Right? What's the point of it? Well, Jesus comes along and he says, he says, yeah, you know the Ten Commandments, you know, you know it's it, it says this, you know, like hey, you know it says, you know, hey, uh, do not murder, which is one of the commandments. But I tell you this, if you if you're mad at somebody, you wanna you wanna you feel like inside you, you know, you just you wanna get vengeance on them. Guess what? That's just like murder. He said, if if if, if you know, do not commit adultery, which was one of the commandments. He said, but if you look at a, another person lustfully outside of who you're married to, guess what? That is adultery in itself. I say that, and, and you're looking at it like, Jesus, he, he, times he, he, didn't, he didn't lower the bar, he raised it, didn't he? Now, wait a second, Jesus, he raised the bar. Why did he raise the bar? I think he raised the bar going, guess what? Because no one can get, it's, no one's good enough. There's a better way. What was it? There's a better covenant. What was the better covenant? It was a new covenant. In a moment here, we're going to have, the Bible talks about, he, Jesus says at the last summer, this is a new covenant in my blood that we're going to take. What was the new covenant? Well, the new covenant was the new way. He provided the way, and he gave with the new covenant, he gave a new law. What was the new law? Not the ten, but the, the one. What was the one law? What, one word, what was it? Love. What do you say saying, John 13, this new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you might love one another. By this, you will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, right? It was the better, it was the better way. You know, I, I was thinking about Martha and Mary, if you know this, you know that story where where Mary's at the feet of Jesus and and Martha comes along and says, Jesus, can you get my sister to do some work around here. I'm making all this food for everybody here and you too. And she's not helping. What does he say? Martha, Martha. You're so busy. You're so focused and so upset about many things. There's only one thing that's needed. Mary has chosen what is better. There's a better thing. So here's my question. Who can you love better this week? Because in that, you're fulfilling what is called Jesus calls the law of Christ it's the better way because it's a better covenant because the went from the first priest to the last priest that love that's lived and fulfilled through the cross which leads to this is a you know we have a better hope we have a better covenant but we, this is what great we have a we have because we have a better sacrifice next week Stacy shared about the, the Passover experience and a couple of hillers are preparing this for us and it's going to be a really cool experience i could i just picture a full it's going to be a full menu it's going to be a full experience we're going to immerse in this 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 evening together the passover but the the passover as you'll if you do it this and it's you might want to sign up because there's a, there's there's only so many spaces. But this experience, if you look at the Passover, it's all a foreshadowing to what is to come. It's all leading up. It's so rich to say, and even Jesus in a moment here as we do communion, that was the Passover meal, and he, he put a twist to it. He goes, all that's good, but let me show you the better way because of my sacrifice. So, you know, it's interesting. We'll, we'll get in a little bit more next week of, of the, the whole what it means by the holy place. But you think of the holy priest, the, the high priest, You know, what's the difference between a, a regular priest and a high priest? Well, they are up at the next level. And those next level high priests, they would go in once a year. Uh, on, your, on your Google calendar, you'll see this, Yom Kippur, Kippur what is that? What's Yom Kippur? Well, it's, it means the day of atonement for the Jewish people. And that's the day where the high priest would go into the, not just the holy place, the holy of holies, and they go and and they and it and the, I think it says something somewhere where they tie a rope around the ankle of the high priest. Because is he go in there to make the sacrifice? You you brought a, you, you had a go you had a, two goats and a bull. Okay, once a year they make this sacrifice and they put it around the ankle. Is because man, if he wasn't kind of like good enough, you know, like he could get struck dead and then they like, well, who's gonna get get the body? We can just pull the body. I know that's gruesome, but that's what they did once a year. That was pretty scary for him, all that time. What were they doing? They are trying to make amends for the sins of mankind once a year. Well, then they had to do it next year. They had to do it next year. And there was all this. And so as we wrap up Hebrews, he was saying, no, there's a better way. The better, in fact, Hebrews says this, the better has already come. Look at verse 25, I love this, it says, therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. So when we look to Jesus, it's not a dead hero, it's a living Lord, he's he's continually interceding, so Jesus is the high priest, because of what what he sacrificed on the cross, not, not Presenting animal sacrifices, what happened? He became the sacrifice. You know, I, I I've heard rumor in the, the Passover that uh, the meal we're gonna have together here is a uh, is a uh, cu- couple Steves are barbecuing uh, for this thing. There's two guys named Steve in the church here, and they're 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 barbecuing baby lambs. Isn't that sad? No, they're not. I don't know. If it's baby lambs. It's gonna be lamb, right? So you're like, oh, dude, listen. Keep, you're, guess what, as much as we're going to enjoy that meal, that isn't the sacrifice. The sacrifice of of Jesus of his very self is already done. And because of that, he's a living sacrifice. It continues on as he goes to to the throne of God, to the most holy place. Why? Because it says this, he saves completely. Saves completely. Not just pretty good saved, not just really good Saved, Completely saved. Completely means comprehensiveness and exhaustive wholeness. That's what the word means. I think this speaks to us for a lot of us because sometimes there's saved. We think, sometimes we think, right? There's saved part of us. Like it feels really saved when you come to church or you're out in public or anything. But you don't always feel saved in other places because you have struggles in your life, don't you? And there's pockets that don't feel real saved. Well, what you're we use this fancy word in church is called sanctification. So if you read through the Bible, talk talk about being saved, yes you're saved positionally with the Lord, but you're being saved. There's a there's a process that you're going through toward toward perfection and sanctification, but the perfect's already come. He's the perfect high priest. It's taken care of positionally. So we're in this process, so you when you feel like I don't know, no, he saved every pocket of your life. Every every dark shadowing your life he's saved because i gonna be honest with you I'm going through a time right now like I'm working through what I'm working through but boy that person I'm having a tough time with right now I am I'm not sure what to do with that person I'm really struggling with that person I don't understand we're not on the same page and the Lord's saying no I'm saved I saved you even there I'm I'm doing a, I'm doing a work I complete a work I'm completing a work it's there it's, it's, and so maybe there's an ugly part of you. Maybe there's a dark part of you. God is at work even there. Like, oh, I'm too gone. Nope, there's pockets of your life that Lord's doing that work. He saves us completely. Because look at verse 25. Such a high priest truly met our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from from sinners, exalted from the heavens. Uh, Unlike the other high priests, you do not need to offer sacrifice day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. No, he sacrificed their sins, here it is, once for all when he offered his very self. Complete. When Jesus died on the, before he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. What did he finish? That. That is done. Done by the son. What this means is that, that our good enough is not good enough. The better has come, and we need to accept that better. And that better acceptance is through surrendering to that better. And it's time for us to, to, to live the better. It's time for us no more to strive any longer to try to be better. We're not going to be better. There's a process that we're going through in this perfecting process. I'm not saying there's not effort, but our efforts alone are not good enough. We need to step into the better. What this means is there's a better hope. There's a better hope we step into, this blessed hope of Christ, of him, not only what he came, when he'll come back one day. There's a better covenant. That better covenant is not trying to follow the rules. You're never going to follow the rules. You know you know all the rules, do you? But one rule, love. Let love lead you, be your command. And the better sacrifice, once and for all, you don't need to put your body down and be sacrificed. You don't need to sacrifice. You are called, as Romans says, a living sacrifice. That's what we're to do. That's because of what already has happened. So, we have communion here. I'm going to invite our team to come and those that are going to be serving with us here in a moment. As we get ready for that, as they get ready, I want you to just kind of take a breather. Say, this is opportunity for you to reflect upon the better that's offered. We have some folks that are coming and serving that will, um, when they, when you come up, you're going to receive it, and they're just going to say simply to you, this is the, body and blood of Jesus they'll say that to each one of you as you come up to the station and I'll give some instructions here in a moment but as we prepare for this time we're preparing our hearts I want to just give you a, a little picture of something we were uh, uh, you know if you if you look at history and different stories and different things there's you know there, uh, is it always true I, I don't know always the things that you read and you, but I like I love the story I love this story. There was during the Civil War, there was a soldier, and he had, he had lost. He's he still alive, but, of course, and he, he lost his brother, a couple brothers and a father. And all was left was just the women in his family. And usually what happens by then is, like, I need, he needs to go back and provide because there wasn't a lot of social service, a lot of, a lot of things he could cover. He needed to make sure he provided for his, his family. It's all left as women. And so he went to petition to get an ex- ex- uh, exemption, and he wasn't able to get it. He went all the way to Washington D.C., and the story says that he he was there trying to get in the White House and try to make his plea even to the president of the United States. Not able to do that. But one day, and here's the story: is there was a young boy, and he, he sees this distressed Civil War soldier, and and the young man asks him, "Well, what's going on? Why are you so distraught?" "Well, I'm trying. I need to get." He explained why I needed he needed to go. He goes, "Well, I'll take you." This, is this this boy passed all the security soldiers, went into the, went into the White House, went up the stairs, walked into the Oval Office, and President Abraham Lincoln says, son, Todd, who, who's, who's your friend? He says, this is my friend. He's, he's needing exemption. And at that moment, the story is that Abraham Lincoln gave him that exemption. I don't know if it's true or not. It's a great story. Listen, you're, you're not come on. You're, you're not going to be able to get access to the Father unless the Son takes you in. The, 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 the Jesus, our, our high priest, because you're not going to be good enough, right? You can't get through. You can't. You're, there's no, to come before the presence of God and to know to, what, did, what did Jesus do? He was the great go-between. He was led by the Son, and what he accomplished, his very self, that we could be presented to the Father. That's what communion's all about. That's the work that he did. It's already been done. What do we need to do? We need to receive it. Not just receive it in, in what we do here today, but we're receiving it, receiving it for life. Communion is just a representation. It's a reminder to us. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And this is what I love about it. Let's just make it full story of the Melchizedek. You're going, why do we even bother? Why do we even? It's in the Bible, so we talk about it, but why? Well, you know what's so cool about the story of Melchizedek? full circle when Abraham went out towards him do you know what Melchizedek brought him If you can read it in Genesis 14 he brought him bread and brought him wine isn't that a cool story all that happened thousands of years before that led to the moment that Jesus had with his disciples he said "Here's, here's the better here's the better way I want to invite you to stand. And we're going to pray. And then in a moment here, I'm going to give you some directions. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. I'm going to pray here in a moment for us. And then we'll begin to sing, begin to worship. And then each of the sections have a station. So you folks here, Roxana is going to serve you here today. And so if you could move to your right and then circle back to your left. The same group, Stacey, with the middle section, all of you here. If you can move to the right and circle back to the left, back to your seats. But when you come up, and you'll do the same here, right to left, to, that um, Julie will serve you, and they'll say, here's the, here's the body and blood of Jesus. And as you do that, I, I invite you to, to take it and eat it right where you're at, right, right when you come up here, and receive it. Receive with the Lord. And I want you to picture, you are going in, not to the Oval Office, you're going to the Holy of Holies. And you're taking a moment and saying, thank you, Jesus. You are the better way. And I receive your way today. I'm reminded of your way today. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for giving me this, this new life I can have. I want to, I choose, I make a decision to live better. Will you, will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we can gather as, as your people today. Thank you, Lord, that, that um, none of us are holy enough. And, and what that also means is no, there's not a particular people that are more holy than the other. Lord, thank you for the work of, of the priesthood. Thank you for uh, a, a memories, not only maybe in our childhood and people that we knew that served as priests. And, and we look in the Old Testament. As it, it's all pointing to you, Lord. It's all pointing that, that, that we needed to go between. And no human person was good enough. We needed the better. So, Jesus, you you completed that from one first high priest that you fulfilled to be the last high priest. That no more sins are needed to be forgiven. No, no more work has been done. And so, Lord, what's so amazing is we receive this as followers of you. And for those that are not yet, Lord, may this be their moment. May this be their going, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and sacrificing your body. Thank you for your blood that was shed to cleanse me of the scene. I want to be saved completely, Lord, and you provide that work. Thank you, Lord. Do that in the hearts of the people today that haven't received you. But also, do even a work in those who have already, that we stop striving, and stop doing and trying to be good enough we are not going to be good enough. But what's beautiful, Lord, is you've completed that that high priest work that we do not have to do that any longer to peace. Our sins toward God and to reconcile that, Lord, you did call us. Though I love this, Peter says this to be the priesthood of believers. So, Lord, as as we take and receive and what you, the work you did, you did, Lord, may we go out into the streets, into the neighborhoods, in our workplace, and may we be the priesthood of all believers. May we serve in a priestly role, and all we're doing, Lord, is introducing you to the be- to others to the better. That to the great high priest, Lord. Will you use our work, Lord? What, what, what Adam didn't complete, and Lord Jesus, what you fulfilled, Lord, will you help us to, to live it out now, now, Lord, as your church? Lord, as we take these invitations to, the, to, to our friends and our family and our coworkers for Easter, may we help be the go-between of the invitation. Not that we're taking anybody's sins, you already did that, Lord, but we're, we're extending the invitation of reconciliation, to helping people connect with you. Will you give us that work, empower us to do that work? It's a, it's a priestly work that you call us to. To be your chosen people, holy nation, a priesthood of believers, you call this. To, to go from out of darkness into our, to this wonderful light, that we can share that light with others as well. Lord, man, we feel empowered as we go from the, this place. As we do it in your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I invite you to go ahead and move now and receive, and then we'll, we'll close together. Have a great morning.